Tyler Carpenter got me in trouble again. Uh, making speedways up for sale and a few driver moves to mention today. Let's go. It's Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Before we get rolling today, there is a new Conversations episode on the channel and in your podcast feeds. Uh, if you're new around here, the Conversations episodes are the interview shows I do. I haven't done one of these since February when I talked to Kevin Rumley. And this new interview uh, features Joshua Joyner from Hunt the Front talking about their first year of their uh, new late model series, plus starting a streaming service in the midst of all of this and a whole lot more. Uh, the show is about 40 minutes, uh, so tune in uh, when you get a chance today. Check that one out. Also, if you haven't done so, hit that like button on today's video and subscribe to either the YouTube channel or where you get podcasts. As of this exact moment I'm writing this show, we are just 683 subscribers short of our 25K goal for the year. Can we break through before November before uh, and, and get to that $25,000 or 25,000K number? Let's see. Uh, in my comment section on yesterday's daily show about the Lucas finale, there were several folks in there who were disappointed with me that I didn't talk about what Tyler Carpenter did during that Eldora feature. I let them out because as nice as it was to see a local guy lead some laps, ultimately he wasn't the story of the night. In my opinion, Bishop winning and the crazy championship fight deserved the focus, and that was really what people were talking about in the aftermath. What's interesting, though, is Carpenter was one of eight race leaders from the Dirt Track World Championship. But nobody said a word or had complaints about me also not mentioning or talking about Mike Marler, Brian Shirley, Tim McCready, or Bobby Pierce on yesterday's show. Did Carpenter deserve more attention than those guys? I'm not so sure. Even in both the Dirt on Dirt post-race stories about the Dirt Track World Championship, Carpenter is only mentioned one time in each, and both times it's in reference to other things, not to tell the story of his brief race. Late in 2022, after the Gateway Dirt Nationals, I talked on a daily show about how Carpenter is such an interesting phenomenon in dirt racing because of how rarely you hear about him. His local exploits don't get him much attention, but when he pops up at Gateway or something like this past Sunday night at Eldora, people are suddenly all about some Tyler Carpenter. I don't really know of any other drivers that create quite the reaction he does so few times a season. There are local guys that pop up periodically to lead races or grab the odd win, but I've never had complaints about not going deep on those other drivers. I did, though, take some heat from what I'm assuming are his fans in the aftermath of that December 2022 show. But what I said that day wasn't really a knock against him. I wasn't coming at the guy. It's just an observation. Unless you hang out where he races each week, the guy just isn't part of the conversation around the sport. I'm into this stuff as deep as anyone. I watch a lot of racing and I had no idea he has seven victories this season. That is according to my race pass. To be fair, though, it's all in weekly competition around Ohio and Kentucky and, you know, racetracks in that same area. He doesn't race often with the big national series, and when he does, he's not making a ton of features. Two outlaw shows this year, both B-Main exits at Atomic. He was at the World at Eldora in September, but again, three B-Main exits. And in three Lucas starts this season, he did make all three main events between Atomic and Muskegon. One of those was a split field prelim, and then uh, he was outside the top 10 in both full field races. Again, this isn't a shot at him. These are just his stats. Carpenter's 17th to lead charge in 24 laps at Eldora on Sunday was pretty wild. He looked like a world beater for that short stretch of laps. But in the end, his equipment gave out on him uh, with it being shared that it was the power steering that had failed and uh, eventually put him out. Even if that hadn't happened, though, I'm not sure that Carpenter would have been a real threat towards the end. 
he was able to drive through the field because of his balls out style and the fact that, you know, guys were dropping like flies and there were a bunch of guys clearly just saving their stuff trying to go the distance that early in the race. But it's that same style that was going to end up bite him, biting him and kind of did end up biting him. His car had damage when he bowed out. And I think it probably would have been his downfall by the end of the 100 lap or anyway, with it being so rough. Let's not forget here that just six cars of the 28 that started finished this race and half of those that finished spent time in the infield at some point. When conditions are right, Carpenter can be very fast. We've obviously seen that with his dome wins. In a situation like this, though, especially when this audience for this show has made it clear through comments and your viewership that you're less interested in actual race talk, how much attention does a driver that leads 10 laps early in a 100 lapper and then finishes 19th out of the race actually deserve? I'm not being crappy here. I'm legitimately asking for your opinion. Let me know in the comments below what you think about this. All right, there are some news items to uh, hit on today. First up, more racetrack news. Making Speedway, which has been under the control of promoter Chris Kearns for just a little less than a year, is now on the block for sale. An announcement from yesterday, Kearns announced that move and said his wife's medical issues are the reason why he wanted to run Macon with her, and that's not possible now. Certainly a bummer for the track and its fans and competitors for the racetrack to be for sale, but obviously in this instance, Kearns has to focus on his family. They do still plan on having the season-ending banquet, and he did say that he and Sunblade are prepared to run the track in 2024 if a suitable buyer isn't found in the offseason. Besides their uh, regular weekly racing, Macon is also home to the Herald and Review 100 for the Dirkar Summer Nationals. They also had USAC Midgets, MOA, uh, MOA Sprint Cars, Power Eye, and the Lucas Late Models on their 2023 slate. We'll see if they're able to find a buyer for Macon here soon. In some late model driver news, it sounds like the Barry Wright house car has a new pilot going forward. Will Harrington just recently departed JCM Motorsports, so that was after a third place finish with the Hunt the Front Series, and that included a couple of wins on the year. But now uh, Harrington is quickly back off the market. He ran the Powell Family Memorial this past weekend at Alltech with Barry Wright, and it sounds like he'll be there for the foreseeable future. That Barry Wright team has also fielded cars in 2023 for Mason Ziegler and Ross Bales. On the open wheel side, we might have our first full-time declaration uh, for the 2024 USAC National Midget season. I don't remember anybody else up to this point that has uh, said they're going to run full-time next year. It was released yesterday that Oklahoma driver Hank Davis will run the full season next year in a triple X powered by SR11, and that he's going to do that with the Cornell Racing Stables team. The Cornell team has been, a, has been around a very long time, something like 60 plus years. And they previously won USAC Midget races with names like Rich Vogler. And in more recent times, uh, they've been a regular in Silver Crown competition. Uh, they fielded cars for guys like Davey Ray. Davis won a prelim night at the Chili Bowl in 2023, but hasn't made a USAC National Midget appearance since 2020. I went and looked to no, uh, no extreme midget uh, appearances either. He is a regular sprint car competitor, though, with a bunch of starts this year with series like the ASCS and OCRS, so 360 and 305 competition. He picked up an ASCS regional win just this past weekend at Creek County. And this would normally be the part of a news story where I would mention the first 2024 race for the series and how to watch Hank go race, but it's so early yet, we don't have any USAC midget schedules to talk about. So uh, I guess we'll see Hank at some point early in 2024. Uh, that's it for the show today. Not a ton of racing going on this week, but you can catch Millbridge on Dirt Vision tonight. You can see the full streaming schedule anytime over at dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Hope you guys have a great Tuesday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.